It's the show the establishment warned you about. Yes, it is. This is Dr. Hummy Show, and uh, I am here by myself, as you uh, can well see. This is uh, the Dr. Tommy Show, broadcasting from the free state of Florida. Typically, we'll broadcast this show with myself and Tracy, but Tracy is no long is not uh, able to join us right now, and uh, so right now it's just me. So this is our first broadcast since uh, January or March of uh, 2019, which is uh, interesting because it's been about three years and doesn't seem like it's been that long. Uh, the reason for us being gone for so long was a uh, couplefold. One of them was that the uh, uh, our child is now uh, old enough that she can uh, be by herself for some period of time and watching TV and things like that when she's in the office with us uh, before. If you saw one of our last episodes, uh, she was uh, had to be with us. So now that she's old enough to be by herself, we are able to uh, break away. Although Tracy this morning is busy with new patients, so we're not able to. She is not able to break away. <clears throat> and the other reason that we had been gone for so long was uh, uh, in the meantime, uh, in the time since we were last on in January of or March of nineteen. Uh, the landscape of social media has changed significantly. One of the things that's changed the most is the level of censorship that is available, or not available, but it is uh, prevalent on the Internet uh, for, uh, I guess you call it, unorthodox beliefs. That is, beliefs that go against uh, establishment uh, mentality, whether it be the you know, media establishment, the medical establishment or uh, just in general um, whatever it is that we're supposed to believe so if you had something of some content that was potentially not um, let's say to YouTube's liking then their algorithms would rank it low so what do I say all that well now there's a change in the social media uh, which is good I think, and uh, one of the things it is, is there are some uh, new alternatives. So while this is streaming on YouTube, it will not only be on YouTube. YouTube just happens to have the right platform to make a stream go live, but we're also going to put it on Rumble, and then it will continue to be on the MP3 broadcast uh, via whatever your uh, uh, desired uh, podcast platform may be. Currently, if you want to go see the show or go see past shows, go to drtommy.com, D-O-C-T-O-R Tommy.com. And uh, <clears throat> today we're going to talk about a lot of things that are COVID-related, as if you listen to the radio at all or talk radio, almost all of it is COVID-related, and it's kind of uh, surprising. It's been two years now, and uh, I guess why it is surprising is because uh, there's so much controversy still and there's things that are not known, and a lot of it has to do with the inability of the um, people in charge uh, to figure out how to treat COVID correctly, or diagnose it, or manage it, or any of the above. And uh, got a couple of stories here today. One of them is uh, from Fox News, and this is called uh, "This Says uh, Cities with Mask Mandates and Vaccine Mandates Seeing Huge COVID-19 Spikes Anyway." Cases of COVID-19 are surging across the country, including in major cities that have mandated masks and vaccinations amid the spread of the Omicron variant. So the Omicron variant is the uh, variant that is purported to be less um, less uh, severe, potentially less severe, and also, uh, interestingly enough, 
more contagious. So it says New York City averaged 36,856 cases reported per day as of Monday, which is a 517% increase from the average two weeks ago, according to government data compiled by the New York Times. Weeks before his term expired, former New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio announced that effective December 14th, the city government would require proof of vaccination for indoor dining, fitness, and entertainment for children as young as five. Beginning December 27th, New Yorkers aged 12 and older were required to show proof of two vaccine doses, except for those who had received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So that just doesn't make any sense um, if you were the, uh, if you're of the mindset that the, uh, uh, the more restrictive and the more regulatory that the state is, the better the cases of uh, uh, management for the coronavirus are. So uh, cities with mask mandates and vaccine mandates seeing a huge COVID-19 spikes anyway. And then here we have another one. This is from American Greatness. It says, Omicron continues to surge in highly vaxxed areas including mainly fully vaccinated and boosted people, infecting mainly fully vaccinated and boosted people. Uh, this is from Deborah Hine and American Greatness. She says, inconvenient data continues to roll in, suggesting that COVID vaccines actually have a negative efficacy against the coronavirus. A year after Joe Biden promised to shut down the virus, the United States on January 3rd recorded more than 1 million COVID-19 cases, according to data from Johns Hopkins, as the Omicron variant tore through the nation at a blistering pace. Omicron is said to be much more trans- transmissible and, according to a recent study from Denmark, is more contagious than fully vaccinated individuals. I have not read this study, uh, and so <clears throat> I cannot confirm that this is the, the case. But according to this article from American Greatness, the stunning results show that Omicron was 1.17 times more contagious than unvaccinated people. 2.61 times more contagious in those unva- those vaccinated twice, and 3.66 times more contagious in triple vaccinated people. Nowhere is this phenomenon more evident than highly vaxxed New York City, back to our other article, um, where a surge in positive COVID cases has caused major staffing shortages with the NYPD, within the NYPD and uh, Fire Department of New York. And so if you were... Oh, uh, well, let's say among the medical establishment or the establishment in general, these two stories here are uh, supposed to be, if, if not, if not discounted outright, they are supposed to be, um, they're supposed to be not allowed to be seen because it is uh, not going with the, uh, the, the, uh, the thought that the COVID uh, vaccines would stop the spread of COVID and would also uh, make it to where we could get back to a normal life. And clearly that's not the case. Um, one of the things that's interesting about uh, COVID is that uh, a while ago, this was probably last year in 2020, I remember reading there was a uh, article by an epidemiologist, and I'm not sure who it was, and I can't give him credit, but the, the epidemiologist said that the natural history of viruses that are highly transmissible respiratory viruses like coronavirus is that they will become uh, less virulent at the same time, more easily spread as time goes on. And this is a uh, evolutionary adaptation that the virus has to continue surviving. So it's not in the interest of the virus. If you think a virus has interest, self-interest, 
and uh, they appear to from a from a, a, a in biologic standpoint even though viruses technically are not living uh, but if if a virus is out in the in the population and it is causing widespread havoc such as think about Ebola and then you have a uh, a, a spread of this uh, highly virulent virus throughout the population very soon there would be no uh, reservoirs for that virus to live. And therefore, back to the point of this um, epidemiologist, he says that, or she, I can't remember if it's a he or she, that the virus as it, as it survives will adapt to become uh, less virulent and more contagious. And this is exactly what we're seeing now. So what do we, what do we take from all this? Um, I think the main thing that I wonder is, why is it that we're two years into this? And uh, as far as you would know from the response of the medical leadership, we have learned nothing except that we are supposed to continue pushing vaccines on, uh, on, on the premise that the vaccines themselves will stop the virus spread. And that clearly is not true. It doesn't matter if you want it to be true. It doesn't matter if uh, you think it should be true. It is not true. That does not has not stopped the spread. And for our uh, leaders to continue to just tout vaccines and vaccines and vaccines as the only way out of this is clearly not working. That is clearly not working. And so, but but what do we got here? Here's another article. This is from The Blaze. It says, <clears throat> Dr. Anthony Fauci wants to stop using, quote, fully vaccinated in favor of, quote, up to date, signaling no apparent end for ongoing booster shots. White House Chief Medical Advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci said that he and other U.S. health experts want to move away from the term, quote, fully vaccinated and instead want to use a more fluid term for a battery of COVID-19 shots and boosters up to date. Um, so... Back to the point. So why is this not necessarily a good idea? Well, here's Dr. Fauci, who is the chief medical advisor to the White House. And his plan for for stopping the spread of COVID, which is now, COVID now is more prevalent than it has been in the history of COVID, is to continue doing uh, the things that we have done that have not stopped COVID from spreading. Uh, it was kind of interesting. He had a, an interview the other day, you know, we had, I don't have the audio clip, but uh, basically he said that we need people to get boosted and vaccinated. And if you're going to be amongst someone, uh, a group of people, you need to be fully boosted and vaccinated because even those who are not, who are fully boosted and vaccinated are getting this virus. So we need to make sure that if you're among people that you are all fully boosted and vaccinated. So, you know, it's a, it's a circular logic, obviously, that doesn't make any sense. But I don't know. The, the idea that we're two years into this and it's uh, we have not had anything as far as any therapeutics that are better than um, what we started with two years ago is amazing. Uh, 
Remdesivir, which is touted as the uh, the best that we have available, I don't know that I don't know that there's any uh, uh, quickly accessible data that shows that it does help. I've had anecdotal evidence from people who work in the in the front lines that say that they can see no difference. They see no difference in people who get it or don't. And the truth is, is it's not necessarily that medicine. It's anybody who gets COVID. There's no real way to predict, as far as we know, who is going to do well or who's going to do poorly from COVID, except a few things uh, such as vitamin D, which you don't hear about. But apparently, vitamin D uh, levels, if they are adequate, meaning uh, they're, I mean, not insufficient. So, vitamin D levels range from 30 to 100, depending on your laboratory. And uh, for the most times, I try to get people up around 50, at least if they're not already normal. So supplementing with 50. And anyway, vitamin D is a vitamin which is also uh, used or shown to potentially be helpful in immune response. So it would make sense that it would uh, behoove someone to have a normal vitamin D level in, in, in preparation or in treatment for COVID. And also for um, prevention of COVID potentially, <clears throat> but that is not uh, that's not something you hear about. And I I don't know if you searched on the CDC website if you find anything about that. So what does all of that mean? Um, I don't know the uh, the 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 way out of COVID does not seem to be uh, vaccines. Uh, that it doesn't seem like it works. And the idea that this is how it is going to be the way out, it just, there's no evidence for it. Evidence is to the contrary that that's the case. Now, that's not the mean that you shouldn't get vaccinated. If you are someone who is at risk for serious problems from COVID, the chances are the COVID vaccine will help you. Uh, the chances are that the COVID vaccine will not hurt you. That being said, uh, the COVID vaccine in and of itself should not be sold as a cure-all or nor should it be sold as a probable cure-all because the fact matter is, is that people who are getting COVID now, among the people who are getting COVID now are those who are fully vaccinated, those who are boosted. And if we just continue on the path of saying COVID is, is going to go away because we're going to vaccinate our way out of it. It, to me, there's no, there's no evidence of that. And to say that I think is being intellectually dishonest and is also, uh, uh, being not, uh, not, uh, curious, intellectually curious about why it is that we're in the situation we are. Uh, what else we got? Oh, this is, uh, interesting. This is from, uh, Breitbart is from Catherine Hamilton. She's, uh, writes an article titled Rhode Island uses COVID positive healthcare workers after firing unvaccinated staff. And so if you all remember, and some of you may be amongst those that were fired because of your vaccination status or their, or lack thereof. And, and in place apparently like Rhode Island, they have had so much trouble with getting uh, workers, healthcare workers, that they are allowing COVID-infected people to stay at work 
over those who are unvaccinated. It says, rather than calling back hundreds of healthcare workers who were fired or placed on unpaid leave for foregoing the coronavirus vaccine, Rhode Island updated its quarantine and isolation guideline guidance to allow COVID-positive employees to continue working if their facility is, quote, facing a staffing crisis, Fox News reported. Also, facility administrators should be using their clinical judgment in making staffing decisions. For example, a facility may opt for a COVID-19 positive worker to only care for COVID-19 positive patients. Department of Health spokesperson Joseph Wendelkin told the Providence Journal this weekend. Um, Wendelkin additionally told the journal's officials uh, that he would rather to staff six staff go to work because unvaccinated healthcare workers are, quote, are reportedly, quote, at higher, greater individual risk, given how many COVID-19 positive patients are in facilities, end quotes. Additionally, someone who is vaccinated and who tested positive for COVID-19 has a much lower viral load compared to someone who is COVID positive and unvaccinated. This means that the likelihood of transmission is much less. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that, uh, those data. Um, it very well may be true. Uh, but if that is the case, then how does it explain uh, places like California, or sorry, New York and California, Los Angeles, where the amount of COVID um, uh, vaccinated people, uh, people who are vaccinated against coronavirus, how is it that those numbers are just skyrocketing through the roof? If what uh, doctor or uh, if uh, whatever uh, this uh, person says here, Wendell can. So, here we are in a case where there's COVID positive workers who are going to work to treat patients. And in this case, I guess, treating patients who are only COVID positive if they're COVID positive. So it gets to the point of the question about what to do about COVID. How do we manage COVID? Uh, when COVID first started, as you know, two years ago, uh, it was highly unknown what 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 coronavirus was uh, you saw pictures on the internet videos of china with people locked in their homes and you saw pictures of people uh, in hazmat uniforms with giant uh, spray hoses dis- spraying disinfectant all over the streets and when you are half a world away where we were and you see this and you don't know what's going on, it is scary. It is scary. It is scary enough that people opted to stay home for two weeks to flatten the curve, as we were told by Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, is what would be necessary. And in doing so, that would stem the tide of coronavirus and therefore get us under control. Uh, Here we are two years later. Clearly, that didn't work. But back to the point of what have we learned? Well, what have we learned since then? Anecdotally, 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 we've learned that uh, coronavirus has a very uh, indiscriminate type of behavior uh, amongst the people it infects. Um, it does seem to affect children to a lesser degree, much less degree. Uh, it does seem to affect uh, certain populations with more um, virulence, such as the uh, obese, people who are obese, p- 
people who have, quote, underlying conditions, whatever those may be, cancer, heart disease, diabetes appears to be a big one. But this is mostly anecdotal. Um, We don't have any hardcore guidance about what is it that makes someone more uh, likely to be uh, have a bad outcome from coronavirus. And then you have people who there was a, uh, a D assistant DA. I'm, I'm not going to get the specifics correctly, but I don't have the article in front of me, but she, uh, she apparently uh, died recently from coronavirus, 46 years old, tragic, tragic case. And apparently this lady had the temerity Uh, before she died, to advocate for no vaccine mandates. And so this was met with ridicule by the um, people in social media, which is uh, kind of the garbage can of human uh, communication. So the social media people said, well, it serves her right. And, And the better thing was, is that she was a Republican. So she was a Republican who was against vaccine mandates who died of coronavirus and for these leftists out there, uh, mind polluted leftists, think uh, Rosie O'Donnell, think Rob Reiner, think uh, Michael Rappaport, these people who are infected by hate and hate for those who do not think almost exactly like they think. People like them uh, were cheering her death. But what is, what is really important about her death, besides the fact that she lost, lost her life and her family is now suffering, and it's a tragedy, the real question is, what is why does she die? Why is anybody who's 46 years old, why is anybody who is healthy dying from the same virus that causes congestion in some people? Why is a person who is 46 years old who is healthy, dying from a virus that in some people is uh, no more dangerous than the common cold. Is that to say that, you know, maybe she had, is there, maybe she had something underlying that we're not familiar with, but the, but you hear these stories all the time. Granted, they're not as common, but you do hear about them. So you hear about people who are healthy, who die of it, who've died from coronavirus. And our medical leadership, as far as I know, does not have a good answer as to why that is. What is the profile of a person who doesn't do well with COVID besides what we talked about earlier? Comorbidities, obesity, uh, what what is it about a healthy forty six year old person that allows her to die from coronavirus? Um, if if we are going to get beyond uh, the vaccine mandates, the vaccine as the cure all for coronavirus, if we're going to be able to go back to living normal lives with coronavirus, as it seems like we're going to have to, because doesn't look like coronavirus is going to go away. If if we need to do that, we need to figure out what it is that really puts people at risk. And we cannot continue to say, all you have to do is get vaccinated. That is false hope. That is potentially, well, that is misleading. 
And anytime that the president goes on TV and says that the, this is a pandemic, which he is still saying of the unvaccinated, he is being completely dishonest. He is being completely disingenuous. This is a pandemic of everybody vaccinated, unvaccinated, young, old. The question is, is what is it about the virus that allows some people to do better and others not to do as well? And then what can we do to treat this virus besides what we've been doing now for two years, which has not done much? Um, I was back, I was talking earlier about being from the free state of Florida. We are a free state of Florida. Thank goodness. Uh, our governor is Ron DeSantis. And for those of you listening in Florida, you know very well that he is uh, tremendous. Uh, for those of you who are not in Florida, you probably heard about Governor DeSantis. Uh, the free state of Florida is, is no joke. I mean, the things that I've seen when we traveled over the summer to, um, to up to New York and to Niagara Falls is the, the ways that people are reacting to coronavirus here versus up there, quote unquote, is, is so, so night and day. The, the fear when you step out in, in just the open air in Pennsylvania, for instance, the fear is palpable of coronavirus. Um, and it's, and it's with good reason that people are fearful if if they don't if 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 they don't have a good enough reason to uh, be be confident in knowing what will happen if they get coronavirus, then they should be fearful. But the the fear does not help you uh, overcome coronavirus. And if you are in a, in a state like Florida where there is no mask mandate, largely, unless you go into some different locales, uh, I think Miami-Dade County makes a mask mandate. But if you were to go um, to these states, a state like Florida, you have the choice of wearing a mask. You have the choice of not wearing a mask. And if if you feel like you need to wear a mask, then you should wear a mask and you should be allowed to wear a mask and no one should be able to uh, force you not to wear a mask. Likewise, if you do not want to wear a mask, you should not have to wear a mask. Uh, CNN has a um, doctor, a medical expert who is the uh, Dr. Wynn, who is former head of the Planned Parenthood. Anyway, she's on record as saying that cloth masks are facial decorations. And now she's a she's a credentialed member of the medical and media establishment. Uh, her her credentials are unassailable. She's even a, a, a Planned Parenthood alumnus. So, you know, amongst the establishment, she has met every every conceivable measure of of being competent and making a decision and giving guidance. And she says that the, the, the cloth masks are facial decorations. If you know anything about viruses, you know viruses are extremely small, much smaller than even bacteria, which themselves are small. And the cloth mask or the surgical mask 
that fits loosely around your face, the chance of it uh, allowing you to evade a virus if a virus is around is is really uh, it's questionable. It's questionable whether or not whether or not that mask does anything at all. Uh, if there was one globule of spit potentially heading your way that was laden with virus from someone's cough, then potentially the mask may stop that globule, but the virus probably would still get in through your mask. And so why are we and uh, the free state of Florida different? What, what, are, what are we doing that's different? Well, we're allowing people to make decisions based on their comfortable comfort levels and also allowing them to uh, do their research. You know, if you, if you say that term, the media establishment and probably the medical establishment too will say, you know, you're silly. We're going to do your own research. You're going to, you're going to start your own lab. No, do your own research, you know, uh, read articles, read articles that you are familiar with the, uh, what they're talking about, read articles. You're not familiar with what they're talking about. Uh, read articles that, uh, challenge what you think, you know, um, for instance, if there was an article today that showed that there was a place somewhere where mask mandates were in effect and or vaccination programs were in effect that was significantly changing the coronavirus outcomes of the people in those areas, I would read that article. And I would read that article on as we're covering all these other articles. Um, so you have to do that. And when you do your own research, quote unquote, you're not uh, being foolish. You're actually uh, becoming what we call uh, l- less ignorant you know, Walter Williams used to say when he hosted for Rush, pushing back against the boundaries uh, or the frontiers of ignorance. He, he would push back against the, bound, the frontiers of ignorance on the Rush show whenever he was co-host or a guest hosting. And that's something that you and I, we all need to do is uh, defeat our own lack of understanding and become more fully aware of what it is that our challenges are in life, whether they be coronavirus, whether they be, uh, you know, inability to uh, achieve in your business or whether it be anything to do with something where you don't have the answer. If you don't have the answer, then look for it. And that's what we're trying to do here. Uh, we're not here to say that vaccines have no place at all. Uh, we're here to say that vaccines are not doing what the people who pushed them said they were going to do. And if you do not acknowledge that, you are willfully denying reality. And you are not doing so for your own benefit. It is not helping you. It will not help you to deny reality. Just like it would not help me to sit here and tell you, if I knew that vaccine mandates masking mandates in Los Angeles and New York City, United Kingdom, if those things were working, and I knew that, it would not be a benefit for me to sit here and tell you they're not because it'd be so easily refutable. It would so be, it'd be so easy to find uh, that I was wrong. So you have to inform yourself. Uh, one of the things that is going on in the other parts of the world is back to vaccines is 
we're on the fourth and fifth uh, rounds of the booster, depending or rounds of the shot, depending on what part of the city you, or country you live, world you live in. I believe Israel's on the fifth round, maybe fourth round at least. And so, what is the point? What is the point? Is the point to give you immunity? Clearly, they do not give you immunity. I think, again, if we are going to be able to get past coronavirus and live in a relatively normal fashion, we do have to come to terms with the fact that vaccines are not the cornerstone of how we get past this. How we get past this is got to be multifaceted and including figuring out what it is that makes it more dangerous for some people. Because after all, isn't that what is really dangerous? Is that some people do poorly with it? And then you don't know if you catch it, uh, that you will be one of those people. So if you, you know, if we were dealing with a virus that was a cold virus, essentially, we know that the, the mortality of the common cold is very low. The morbidity isn't necessarily, especially if you're a man. If you're a man, the morbidity of the common cold is, you know, it can be on the level of um, uh, very debilitating illness, depending on the person. But outside of a man cold, a regular cold, um, you, people aren't afraid of. You don't want it. You don't want to get it. But if you do get it, you'll deal with it. And you know you're not going to, or you're, you're pretty sure you're not going to perish from it. But what makes coronavirus different is that what a two-year-old, three-year-old may have and have sniffles and give it to their grandparent, for instance, may be lethal. It may be lethal if the grandparent has a fully vaccinated, fully boosted, or unvaccinated and unboosted. It, will, it, it is possible to harm that person either way. So we need to figure out what it is that makes people more susceptible to COVID. And we need to figure out how to treat it effectively once it goes beyond the common cold flu stage. Once it gets into this uh, inflammatory response where your body starts attacking itself, you start having these blood clots that travel throughout your body. There's where we need to focus our energies on in order to move past a uh, where we're at now, where it's just obviously not working. It is not working, what we're doing now. Uh, what else do we got here? This is uh, interesting. This is from uh, Epoch Times. If you're not familiar with Epoch Times, this is a, uh, uh, it's a news, newspaper started by some uh, communist Chinese uh, dissidents, actually. And so if you if you follow the Epic Times, you are following uh, non-establishment media. So just a word of warning to you, this is not approved by the establishment. But anyway, it goes, first two, quote, Florona cases detected in U.S. In US. Um, a Los Angeles County COVID-19 testing site confirmed the first local case of, quote, Florona or influenza combined with the, and they call it CCP, Chinese Communist Party virus that causes COVID-19. Coming after a teen in Texas confirmed he was diagnosed with the two viruses. I've actually seen this. Um, it wasn't called Florona. And I don't think this is a case of a, 
a mutant virus such as the one that was potentially created in the Wuhan laboratories. Well, not potentially was as far as we can tell created, um, purposefully, um, according to all the leaked emails and documents that we see from, from the, uh, uh, Dr. Fauci's office and investigative reporters. But either way, this is not apparently a chimeric virus that is combined from flu and corona. But it says that the all the authorities at the nine at the nine eleven COVID nineteen testing site in Brentwood, California, confirmed a child tested positive for COVID nineteen and influenza A. Influenza. The boy's mother also tested positive for COVID nineteen. The child did not require hospitalization and went home with her parents, with their parents after the testing was completed. Uh, So uh, this case is interesting because I did see someone, like I said, who had not only did this person have uh, COVID, they had COVID, flu A and flu B on rapid tests, which I thought was interesting because I've seen uh, flu A and flu B along with strep before, which is which was bad. The person didn't feel very well at all. And interestingly enough, the person that I saw who had the uh, combined coronavirus and flu viruses back, and this was probably two years ago now, uh, she she appeared to be as, as sick, but not more sick than the other people who there were there well, with coronavirus. So that's kind of interesting. So fluorona cases detected in U.S. If you hear about that, be on the lookout. Uh, what else we got here? You know, this is funny. It's talking about the free state of Florida. I don't know if you, if you're familiar with Eric Swalwell, Eric Swalwell is a Democrat congressman from California. He has got to be one of the most objectionable people I've ever uh, come across in politics. As far as seeing them on TV, he comes across as a very smug, very, uh, uh, very elitist, very, um, condescending, but at the same time, he has this aura of, uh, oh, what is it? Someone who is uh, probably, this is probably like a person that if, if you had friends in high school or college, that when, you know, you had a group of people together, he was brought along and no one really said anything about it, but everyone wished he wasn't there. And I think that's probably how Eric Swalwell is uh, felt um, amongst his peers. It says, Representative Eric Swalwell took a maskless trip to Republican-led Florida after blaming, quote, Republican liars, end quotes, for prolonging the pandemic just last week. The pro-mandate, pro-mask politician was spotted hanging out without a mask at the high-end Lowe's Miami Beach Hotel on Tuesday, according to photos exclusively obtained by the Daily Mail. Swalwell is the latest addition to the list of hypocritical liberals who seek refuge from medical tyranny in Governor Ron DeSantis' Florida. This is from Breitbart. Recently, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez came under fire for taking a maskless vacation with her boyfriend in Miami. And then it had a picture of her uh, just, you know, enjoying themselves out here in the free state of Florida uh, without a mask. And uh, so what's what's that? Why is it important? Why is it important? Who cares? Well, it's important because these people, if you watch them in their private lives or their public lives, I mean, they are the uh, ones that are telling anybody in Florida who is allowing people to go around maskless, such as Governor DeSantis, not only are they stupid, they're killing people. You know how many people have said that Ron DeSantis has, has killed children in Florida because 
he has stood against a mask mandate in Florida. It's uh, disgusting. And then here's a other part of the article. Even CNN's Don Lemon was spotted maskless in the Sunshine State. Governor Santos called out the lockdown politicians who vacation in his state held on Monday, in a press conference held on Monday. So Don Lemon, AOC, Eric Swalwell. Uh, it's pretty interesting how they just like to come down here and go around maskless. But at the same time, when they're on TV... They are castigating people like Ron DeSantis who allow people to go maskless because in their minds, that is dangerous. Uh, what else we got here? There's one article I, was, I just thought was interesting. It doesn't really have anything to do with coronavirus, but it's got to do with um, kind of politics in general. And it's coming up on the 22 elections here. We're coming up on, you know, there's a lot of, oh, what's the word for it? There's a lot of eagerness on the behalf of uh, Republicans, elected Republicans especially, uh, who see a red wave coming. They see a red wave coming because of the unpopularity of uh, Joe Biden generally and of Joe Biden's policies and of the unpopularity of Congress. They see that uh, Democrats in the House are retiring at a rapid clip, which is not bode well for trying to hold on to a majority because incumbents, I don't know the percentages, but incumbents are more likely to win their elections. No matter who that person is, an incumbent, if you put an incumbent against a challenger, the incumbent statistically will win more often. So Republicans are feeling good. They're feeling their oats. You know, Kevin McCarthy's out there saying we're going to have a, we're going to have all of this. We're going to have all that. And anybody who's followed politics, particularly Republicans, conservatives who have followed politics, has has known that Republicans are good at talking up a good game. They are great at it, actually. They can raise money with the best of the Democrats. But the way that Democrats beat the Republicans now and have always beat them, as far as I've been following politics, I've... I first voted in 1996 when I was 18 years old for uh, late Senator Bob Dole, who just recently passed away. And then I voted for George Bush twice. And then <laughs> and this is two of the votes that I I wish I didn't have to do, but I did was uh, John McCain and Mitt Romney, because they both showed later that they really had no conservative inclinations at all. And and the way that they wanted to go about um, governing. But if you've been following politics, like I said, and you're a Republican or conservative, you have to know that the Republicans do not play to win. Republicans play to win like once. Uh, Democrats play to win, and they play to win with knives. What do I mean by that? Um, Democrats, if you look at a Democrat party, for instance, the, the idea that there's a Joe Manchin out there right now or Kirsten Cinema, Kirsten Cinema, is an anomaly. They do not usually have anything like that. We do. We have that. We have a Joe Manchin. We have a Kirsten Cinema. What are their names? Their names are John McCain. Their names are Olympia Snow. Their names are Susan Collins. Their names are uh, Mitt Romney. So we have that. 
But when we have it, they're celebrated in the media because the media is left wing. And they're celebrated as being uh, heroes and mavericks, you know, reaching across the aisle, you know, everything that you can think of as far as what you normally hear of when you hear about Republicans who turn against other Republicans. I mean, they are the most celebrated species <clears throat> outside of uh, the, the left wing of spectrum of political uh, persons in, in, in the media or in Washington. But Democrats play to win. And so usually what will happen is, for instance, this this year, there is a chance for the Democrats to pass legislation which will make them the party forever. What do I mean by that? Well, if the Democrats are able to pass the legislation that they purport as being for voting rights, it would instill or it would make permanent Many of the things that allowed Joe Biden to assume the presidency this past election. As you know, Joe Biden did not win the presidency because he had great ideas, was at all energetic, coherent, cognitively aware. Uh, He won because there was a concerted effort multi-disciplinary effort to defeat Donald Trump. Um, and so if they are able to pass this voting rights uh, bill that they have, it will make a lot of those changes that were throughout the United States as far as mail-in voting, uh, elimination of voter ID. They will make things like that permanent on a federal level, would federalize elections and make it to where Republicans would never win again. And what do I, what's my point? My point is, is it's surprising to me that they haven't done it yet because typically Democrats think long game. They Democrats know that if they were to pass that the legislation this year or they were to pass Build Back Better, you know, in their efforts to uh, get all of their various different Christmas tree uh uh, socialist type of programs that they had wanted for many, many, many decades that had just been sitting on the shelves in little binders waiting to be passed by uh, the right Congress, the right president. If they could get those across now and they were implemented, they knew it would be, per- they know it will be permanent. The changes they make will be permanent and the changes that they make will cause them in the end to be a ruling party without any, um, without a ruling party that has no opposition. Think of the Chinese Communist Party in China. Think of uh, the Mullahs in Iran. Think of uh, f- former uh, state of Iraq with Saddam Hussein and the Ba'ath Party. I'm not saying that it would be murderous. Necessarily, I'm saying the the effect would be the same. There would be a one party state, and there's kind of already a one party state now. The uh, the Democrat Party and the Republican Party are both the establishment party. They are two different versions of the same idea, and the idea is the prolongation of government, the growth of government, <clears throat> and also the uh, attainment of certain type of benefits for you and or your constituents or your backers. But overall, both parties are parties of Washington. That's why Donald Trump was hated so bad much by both. 
He's not from Washington. He wasn't from Washington. He didn't care about being from Washington. He didn't care about getting invited to the uh, cocktail parties. He didn't care about having write-ups in the New York Times. He's not like John Roberts, who was concerned a whole lot about his legacy, more so than the job at hand. So the Democrat Party is surprising to me that they haven't passed that, because if they did, they would solidify their advantage forever potentially. And um, they know that if they did do that, it would be unpopular. They know that the the economy would probably crash and uh, they would lose in 2022. They may even lose in 2024. Donald Trump may get back in office in 2024 if they pass the Build Back Better and the voting, well, not necessarily Voting Rights Act, but if they pass back Build Back Better, but they know in doing so that they would have made a foothold and, and made something that would make it impossible for the Republicans to ever gain full control. Because after that, the uh, things that they passed would be put in effect that would put them into the majority forever. It's kind of like why they have the open border now. Every, every person who comes across the border now illegally is a likely future Democrat voter. And they are going to try to get as many in there as possible. Uh, I was just going to read this article here. This is, uh, this is from American Greatness. It's basically talking about what I just talked about. It says, a single-mindedness, single-mindedness of the Democrat Party. Democratic Party. The Greek historian Polybius begins his history of the Punic Wars by explaining that Rome, quote, from the beginning was driven by a single purpose. Purpose. There was nothing less than the extension of Roman domination over much of the world. In a similar way, the Democrat Party seems motivated by a single aim, which as far as I can tell is establishment of one-party dictatorship. The current and name only chief executive as well as Democratic Congress, congressmen have become expendable in advancing this clearly defined goal. Uh, indeed, Democrat politicians even seem willing in some cases to sacrifice their careers to assist their party's drive for power. And that's back to what I was saying is <clears throat> they'd be if they lost in 2022 and 2020, some of those people may never work again in politics, but they will have achieved their goal. Professor John Kenneth White of Catholic University of American Law School seems actually annoyed that the Democrats are doing so little to take forever control of the government. They should be thinking more boldly. Apparently, the Electoral College must also go as a remnant of a less enlightened past, quote uh, John Kenneth White. It won't be enough merely to form the filibuster, add more justices, justices to the Supreme Court, change presidents, or surrender presidential powers to Congress. A document written in 1787 is inadequate for the 21st century. The Electoral College is poised to create more misfires with popular votes winners not becoming president. Has happened as has happened twice already this century. Territor- territorial expansion has resulted in 16% of the U.S. population controlling half of the seats in the U.S. Senate. So this is this argument that this uh, professor is making. Uh, if you wanted to read more about that, there's a document out there that <laughs> that talks about this a lot. It's called the Federalist Papers. His argument he's making is is practically the cornerstone of federalism, federalism, which is what our country is founded on, democratic uh, 
we're a democratic republic. We're a representative republic, but we are a federalist uh, republic where we have states who have in and of themselves sovereignty in addition to the sovereignty of the federal government. And a person like Mr. Uh, or Professor White here does not like that. He does not like the fact that there are big states out there with few people, probably, you know, not as educated as him, maybe did not go to Ivy League schools, who are uh, able to have as much uh, or more, in, in some cases, uh, influence because of their uh, demographics of their state on the election. I mean, if you are... If you're a Democrat in California, for instance, you your vote does not have the same amount of power as if you're a Democrat in Florida. And that is a, a great annoyance to people like uh, John Kenneth White. But that is, like I said, there, we don't have time for that today, but that's the whole reason for the Constitution and all of the arguments, not all of them, many of the arguments that took place for the Constitution to be formed is should the states have rights? What are the what are what is the responsibility of the of the uh, the states in governing themselves? You know, the original way that the Congress was set up was Congress was made of two houses. The House of Representatives was the people's house. It was a vote uh, by direct uh, vote of the persons in the state who were eligible at that time, who were mostly white landowners now it's universal you can everybody can vote but before it couldn't but anyway now everybody can vote and that's who got who how the house of representatives was populated and then you had the senate the senate was the upper chamber it was appointed by um the the senators were appointed by the state legislatures the state legislatures had the power to put on, however they determined, uh, persons in the Senate. And the Senate was to be the state's house. It was to do the state's business. Because the state doesn't always have the same, um, doesn't always have the same interest as the majority of the people in their state. It sounds strange, but it's, if you think about it, if, if there are states out there who, let's say that there was no electoral college, why would anybody ever try to? Uh, why would anybody ever try to win an election in Iowa? If they got rid of the electoral college, you would never ever see another uh, presidential candidate step foot in the state of Iowa because there's no reason. All you would have to do is win five or six of the major cities in the United States, and you would win the election. Because that's how many people are in these states or these cities. So this is something that we need to be aware of as we continue on in our lives. Is that there's people out there who are looking to do things, and you have to be aware of them. You have to be on the ball. You have to be not ignorant. You have to be informed. You have to do your own research. Despite what Brian Stelter says, it's not a it's not a joke. Although he is a joke, but it is not a joke. You should do your own research, whether it's on COVID, whether it's on vaccines, whether it's on um, who you vote for. Uh, If you are new to the show, uh, we'll welcome you. And if you're a former listener and again, listener, we thank you for joining us. This is uh, 
Dr. Tommy on the Dr. Tommy show. If you want to learn more about our uh, podcast, go to drtommy.com. And if you are in the area and you want to stop in and say hi, or if you are a uh, patient out there who was seeking kind of a different type of uh, physician out there who may think differently than the medical establishment, not necessarily better, but differently, uh, then please come in and give us a, give us a, a, let us say hi to you and meet you. Anyway, look forward to talking to you again. And until next time, we'll see you later. Bye-bye.